And of course, the answer is yes. We need rescue. And that is not a function of uh, your, upra- uh, uh, your raising or you know, your, your environment. It's, it's a function of our humanity. We need rescue. We need rescue. We need rescue from the despair that so overwhelms us. We need rescue from the confusion and the chaos that surrounds us. We need rescue from our weaknesses that uh, confound us. We need rescue from the loneliness that isolates us. And we need rescue. We need rescue from the brokenness of who we are. And we need rescue. The good news is the same today as it has been for years and years and years. Yes, you need rescue, and yes, I need rescue, and God comes to our rescue. Christmas is the story of God bringing rescue to you and to me. God made a promise, and that promise was that he would provide everything that you and I would ever need to be rescued, to be rescued from the deep darkness that can swallow our soul whole, to be rescued from the mistakes of yesterday that confound our today and threaten our tomorrow to rescue us inside and out yeah we need rescue and Christmas delivers on God's promise of rescue to us you see Christmas is that wonderful fulfillment of God's promise of rescue to you and to me and to the teenagers that are are on this stage and the people with whom we work and the folks down on the boardwalk and our neighbors in our cul-de-sac or our co-workers or our fellow shipmates. Yes, yes, there is rescue that is available to us. And Christmas, Christmas is more than just a time to get together and feel good. Christmas, Christmas is more than just a celebration of good traditions and family. Christmas, Christmas is God's fulfillment of his promise to rescue us. In Isaiah chapter 9, Classic passage, classic promise from God to us. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You see, that, is the fulfillment of the promise. You know, so often we look at people portrayed in the circumstances of 
the young lady here in the, in the dramatic piece. We, we look at those circumstances, we think, oh, you know, what they need is some education. Or what they need is some self-esteem. Or what they need is a better environment. Or what they need is a different set of friends. And, and, and I understand all of those answers. And, and there may be some answer to those answers. But the most complete answer is not a new strategy for living. Not, not a new way of doing. Not a new morality to embrace. What we need is a rescuer. Not a strategy for rescue. We need someone to come invade our space and set us free and make us whole. When God makes this promise in Isaiah chapter 9, he's speaking to a people in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali and people in Israel. And the picture in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1 is the Assyrian army. These are the big bad boogeymen. And they were coming to uh, conquer Israel and destroy Israel. And they're on their way. They're coming through the, the, the tribal regions of Zebulun and Naphtali. Zebulun and Naphtali, these tribal regions were uh, in the Jezreel Valley in between Mount Hermon and, and, uh, and, and the Sea of Galilee. And, and, and it was a highly uh, productive agricultural region, but it was also a trade route between Mesopotamia and Egypt. And so when Assyria makes their march toward Jerusalem to conquer the people of God, they're making their way through that, that lush region, that trade route. And, and, and already those tribal regions have been conquered by this foreign power, this, this, this ominous army, this, this crew of, of, of catastrophe. They, they've already made their way and conquered these tribal regions. And, 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 and yet God says, wait a second, there's a promise I've got ready for you that even though you're living in the land of the shadow of death, even though there is this, this dark looming threat over you, there's light, a great light. And this light, this great light will break the enemy's stronghold and stranglehold over you. But this light, this great light was not a mere politician. This light, this great light was not another way of living. It wasn't a new ideology or philosophy. It wasn't some, some uh, resurrected code of conduct. No, this light that would chase away the despair and the darkness, this light that would change the life of everyone, this light that would rescue us, them, us and them from darkness is Jesus. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Guys, we don't need another strategy. We need a Savior. We need Jesus. You're here today, and look, you may be a spiritual person, you may be a religious person, you may be even a good Baptist person, but what you need in your life 
is Jesus. And verse 7 says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Can I tell you one of the great reasons why so many followers of Jesus are living in such despair? It's because we've not allowed the government of our life to be on the shoulder of the Savior, Jesus Christ. See, if Christmas means anything, it means that we should be living in the midst of rescue every day. I know that's hard. But it's the only way. As we look at this passage and the promise, I, I, I want you to, and of course, that's the big picture. That's the theme. If you're writing down what the theme of the talk is and the theme of Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 6, if you want to know what the theme is, it's that, that Christmas delivers God's promise of rescue, that that, that that promise of rescue was not a plan, but a person. The promise of rescue is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And Jesus has come to rescue us from despair to joy. Jesus has come to rescue you here and now, right now, from despair to joy. You know what despair is? Despair is being stuck in the desert, not having any water. And walking and walking and walking, hoping that some oasis appears. That's bad, but that's not despair yet. Despair is when on the horizon you see the shimmering of what you believe to be an oasis. And your thirst gets the best of you and you run as fast as you can to the horizon. But instead of an oasis, it's just a mirage. Instead of cool water to quench your thirst, it's just more sand. That's despair. Despair is... Shivering in the cold without a coat. Like we had to do at 8 o'clock this morning when the uh, fire alarm went off in the middle of church. and I didn't even get into my sermon yet and the alarm's going off and everybody has to go out into the, into the cold. And shivering out there in the cold and you don't have your coat and everything's freezing and, and, and you see a sign that big fireplace and a blazing roaring fire and you and you call your friends say let's go up to this sign and and you cuddle up against that sign but it's just a cardboard sign it's just a painting of a fire that the painting of the fire can't warm you it only paints a picture of being warm that's despair despair is counting on a cardboard sign to warm you up See, we live in despair. That's, 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 where the, that's, that's where the people of God were, the people to whom uh, Isaiah proclaimed. He said in verse 2, he said, 
The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them the light has shined. You've multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy, and they rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Verse 4, for you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. What's he talking about? He's saying, here's despair being stuck in the shadow lands and not being able to escape. Here's despair. The shivering cold of the dark night and it never turns to day. Here's despair. The rod on your back beating you senseless. The yoke around your neck keeping you enslaved. And you can't escape. That's despair. For the children of Israel in this time, the picture of, of the darkness and the, and the gloom and the doom and the, and, and the oppression and, and the rod and the staff and the yoke, all of that was a picture of the enemy that was on, hot on their heels, the, the enemy that was on their heels because of their rebellion against God. For us today, for all humanity today, it's not a nationality, it's not a a religious group in, in the world. It's not Muslims or Hindus or non-denominationals. The enemy for us, for humanity today, is the same enemy that we face and have faced for centuries from the very beginning of time. That enemy that causes us despair is our sin. Our sin, your sin, my sin. See, the easiest thing we like to do is we like to point to an oppressor that breaks our back. We like to point to somebody else that's to blame for my lot in life. But first and foremost, we've got to own our sin. We've got to see that our sin is what causes us despair. That's why when the angels proclaimed uh, on that starry night in Bethlehem, when the angels proclaimed the birth of Jesus, they said to the shepherds, don't be afraid, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Savior. Why Savior? Savior. Because he's the one that's supposed to rescue us from our sin. The darkness that needs to be shattered. The oppression that needs to be broken is our sin because our sin is what creates distance between us and God. And friends, the very definition of despair is distance from God. And the good news is, is that Jesus came to rescue us from our sin, to deliver us from our despair caused by the hopelessness of our sin, to joy, joy found in fellowship and friendship with God when we by faith trust Jesus and his death on the cross as payment for our sin, his resurrection from the dead as the purchase of our new life when we abandon ourselves in the grip of Jesus, our king we move from despair to joy our sin is forgiven 
There is no distance between us and God. Now we live in friendship with him. But why is it that even today as followers of Christ, we've, we've been set free from the bondage of sin? Why is it that we as followers of Christ, why is it that you're living in despair today? As a follower of Jesus, why? You say, well, Eric, you need to understand all the the drama and the trauma that I've been through, all the tragedies that I've faced. You need to understand how bad it's been for me. You need to understand that ISIS is coming and they're coming after me, me, personally, me. They're coming after me. And, And Eric, don't you see what's happening in the world? Don't you see how bad it is? Of course there's despair. No, no, but... But you're a follower of Jesus. You see, Christmas is not just about his rescue of us from our sin, but it's also his rescue of our everyday life toward joy. Every day. And I wonder, I wonder if the reason... Followers of Jesus live in despair is because you're not allowing Jesus to rule your life. Now, let's just keep it simple. Christmas is just about sounds and songs, family and food. If Jesus is not ruling your life as a follower of Jesus, he's got to have charge. The reason we lack joy as believers it's because we're not letting Jesus have his way in our hearts the reason we give over to despair over and over and over again is because we're not letting the government of our life to be on his shoulder things have to change because can I Can I just be a little pastoral with you right now? One of the worst testimonies to Jesus Christ is a believer, a follower of Jesus living in perpetual despair. It's not good. So stop it. Let Jesus rule. Jesus has come to rescue us from despair to joy. He's come to rescue us from confusion to clarity. Oh my goodness, I need this every day. Huh? Confusion runs rampant through my mind. Confusion overwhelms me. I don't know what to do. I don't know the next step to take. I live in this fog of confusion. And and it seems as I get older, the more confused I get. It's not supposed to be that way, is it? I think think about my life and, and, you know, I'm, I'm plagued with this problem. If I'm lost, I don't ask for directions. It's a problem. Edie and I were going to our staff Christmas party on Thursday night, and we were trying to find this. We went bowling, by the way. It was great. I'm still sore. But Claude Parent broke both his ankles. I don't know what happened. But 
We were trying to find this bowling alley, and, and my GPS stopped talking. Just said, I give up. We're trying to find this place, and, and there's, a, there's a gas station. And we're lost. We're close, but we're lost. Can't find the place. And there's a gas station. And then Edie left me, let me off the hook. She said, Eric, just pull in and I'll go in and ask for directions. <laughs> I'm just saying, isn't that a great wife? She let me off the hook. She didn't even, she didn't even pit point to the fact that she knew that this was really hard for me to ask for directions. She didn't even put it on me. She just said, pull over and I'll go in and ask for directions. But I knew that she knew, that I knew that she knew. That I just didn't want to ask for directions. Isn't that how we are as followers of Jesus even? We, we, try to, we try to navigate through the confusion. And we don't ask for help. But see, here's the good news. Here's how Jesus has come to our rescue. He has come not only to rescue us from our sin, to, to bridge the distance that we have had with God and bring us into friendship with God, but he has come as our wonder of a counselor who provides supernatural wisdom for us, who gives us supernatural insight, who directs our steps every moment of the day, who desires to give us wisdom and understanding, not just what to do, but how to do it. Jesus is the wonder of a counselor. And what we do is we say, I don't need your counsel, Jesus. I got this figured out. While we stumble in the confusion that is our life. He said, guys, listen, Jesus is ready to give you the counsel you need to, to drop truth into your life that will give you life. To instruct you, to advise you. He doesn't, he doesn't give you the whole load of hay at once all the time. Now, he's given us the Bible, and I've got to tell you, if we would just follow the, what he's given us in, in the Bible every day, if we would just follow that, Instead of following everything else that we're trying to use to navigate through the confusion, if we just follow what the Bible says, then, then boy, we would be way ahead of the ball game. But even beyond the Bible, what, what God does is, what Jesus does is he pours his spirit within us and he says, okay, now I'm going to give you some, I'm going to give you some understanding of the truth that I'm delivering. I'm going to help you see what you need to do. I'm going, to, I'm going to direct your steps. I'm going to be a light unto your path. I'll be your way in the darkness. Guys, look, Edie and I wake up every day and we are confused about life. We, we are. And I wish I could say that she and I every day, we look to Jesus to give us clarity in, in the midst of our confusion. We don't. Mostly that's me. I'm, you know, a guy. But can I tell you the reason as followers of Jesus, we still walk in confusion rather than clarity 
It's because we're not letting the government of our life be upon Jesus' shoulders. See, if we're going to live in clarity, it's because we're going to listen to Jesus. We're going to follow his instruction. We're going to do what he says. If we would do relationships the way Jesus says rather than the way we feel, boy, everything would be different. Today, we we need to understand that there is a promise of deliverance, and that promise is that we can be rescued from our confusion toward clarity. We can be rescued from our weakness to strength. I've got to tell you, you're not nearly as strong as you think you are, and neither am I. I I cannot move a mountain. I cannot move a mountain. I can't stop the wind blowing. I can't make the rain cease. I can't calm the waves. I can't stop the sun or the moon. I can't make the stock market do a blame thing. I'm not nearly as strong as I think I am. Good gravy, I can't even navigate life for a dog giving it direction making it do what I want it to do I'm not nearly as strong as I think I am neither are you we live our lives in this delusion that we can handle it We can handle it. I was trained to handle it. Weren't you? I mean, I was trained to handle it. Here are the tools that you need. Here's the way to manage what you've got to face. Now handle it. All right, I'll handle it. As a follower of Jesus, the worst place that we can be is that place where we say, I'll handle it. It gives the illusion that You can manage. And you don't really need God. The reason God said that this child that's going to be born is the wonder of a counselor, the reason he said this is the mighty God, that that term for, for Jesus, mighty God, is a very particular term. It's it's a term that says, He's the one who is mighty to save. No matter what you face, no matter what comes your way, he's the one who is your strength. Now, here's the thing. For us to experience his strength, we have to give him our weakness. We can't experience his strength when all we're doing is saying to him, I'm already strong, Jesus. We need to own up to our weakness. We need to own up to the fact we can't handle it. We need to wake up every morning with this deep sense of humility in our heart that says, I am not strong enough. But Jesus is. He is the mighty God. He is the one who can stop the sun in its track and hold the world together when he does it. He's the one who can part a Red Sea. 
He's the one who can provide food from heaven to appear on the ground every morning. He's the one who can speak with thunderings and lightnings on a mountain face. He's the one who can speak time into existence. He's the one who can shrink his deity into the skin of a little baby born in Bethlehem. He's the one who can look at broken limbs and blind eyes and give sight and give strength. He's the one who can walk on water, commanding the molecules of the H2O to solidify for that moment that his feet touch the water. He's the one who can look the storm in its face and say, stop it, and it stops. He's the one from whom demons flee. He's the one before whom the devil trembles. He's the one who looked death in the face and gained the victory. He's the one who rolled away the stone. He's the one who was raised again. And he's the one who loves you enough to give you the power you need today. Why in the world would you pretend like you've got strength when you've got him on your side? He moves us, delivers us, rescues us from weakness to strength. He rescues us from loneliness to love. Y'all see where I'm going here, don't you? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, loneliness to love. It's the everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. You know, we come to Christmas, and I know Christmas, I look around this room, and I know Christmas is hard for some of you. I know it's not easy. Conversations I've had today and yesterday and this past week, individuals, I know it's hard. Christmas is a time where you feel isolated, alone, hurt, loss. But can I tell you, it doesn't have to be that way. It it doesn't. I'm not saying that you shouldn't feel sorrow because your loved one is not with you. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be a little sad and melancholic because your family's far away and you're here and there's no coming together for Christmas. I, I understand that. What I am saying is, You don't have to be like Scrooge. You know, Scrooge is a man who lived in a self-imposed prison of loneliness. Because he was hurt as a young man, he then lived out the rest of his days alone. He pursued money as his companion But his loneliness led to a bitterness and a meanness in him. And it was really choices that he made, not what others did to him or against him. Some of us are here today and and we're choosing that Scrooge life. We've locked ourselves in the prison of our own loneliness where 
we isolate, shut ourselves off because we feel like it's the safest place to be. We, we, we want to be protected from hurt. We, want to, we don't want to feel the pain of loss. We, we, so, we, so we isolate ourselves and, and, and then our, our hearts begin to chill over and become this icy organ that has no warmth or life to it. But Jesus is our everlasting Father who moves us from isolation to intimacy. He is the everlasting Father who longs to soothe our soul with His love. He is our everlasting Father that wants to invade the hurt of our right now and cure it with His presence, His songs of love. He's the everlasting Father, and He's the perfect Father, and He knows exactly what you need, and He'll give you exactly what you need, and He will nourish your soul in a way that no one else can. He's the everlasting Father. And my prayer for you, for those of you in this room, for many of you, some of whom I know for sure, my prayer is that God would just thaw your icy heart that you would find again the love that Jesus has rescued you to know. You might say, well, Eric, it's hard for me. And I understand it is. But you know, as a little boy, when it was really hard, or I was really scared, or I was really alone, I didn't run away from my dad. I ran to him. I would, I would walk hand in hand with him until I felt okay again. I'd walk grabbing his leg and saying, don't leave me. Take me with you. Guys, Jesus is here and he's not going to leave you, but is the government of your life on his shoulder? Are you clinging to him? Maybe the reason you're not tasting love and your only taste in loneliness as a follower of Jesus is because you're not clinging to Jesus over and over and over and over and over again. Maybe the best course of action for you to do today and tomorrow and the next day is just take as much time as you can and cling to Jesus. Talk to him. Cry out to him. Jesus rescues us from loneliness to love. He's the everlasting Father. And finally, Jesus rescues us from brokenness to peace. He is our Prince of Peace. The Sar Shalom is a, is, is a title of a warrior, one who fights for us. And you know Jesus is fighting for you. And you know what he's fighting to do? He's fighting to take what's broken and make it right. So often we define peace in terms of like Christmas season. I, this is peace to me, it, the, the way many of us define it. Peace would be walking into Target, there being no crowds and no lines, and everything that I need to buy, I get from the shelf in about 10 minutes. I put it in my cart, and there are no lines at the register, and I walk right up, and I put my stuff out, and I pay, and within 15 minutes, I've done all my Christmas shopping without any kind of hassle, no grief, no crowds, no pushing, no tussling, nothing. That's peace. That's how we define peace, but that's not, that's not what peace is talking about in the Bible. You know what peace is? Peace means 
where something is broken has been made whole. It's where something that has been divided has been brought together and made right. Today, so many of us live in here and we're still just as broken as we've always been. Our hearts are broken, our dreams are broken, our relationships are broken. And even as followers of Jesus, we're living in the grip of that brokenness. But guys, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And He today longs to take what's broken in you and make it whole. But the reason so many of us as followers of Jesus do not experience that kind of peace because we don't put the government of our life upon his shoulders we're trying to find peace by our own control and our own devices friends we're still Humpty Dumpty's and no matter how much we try we can't put ourselves back together again but Jesus can he's our rescuer So today, my invitation to all of us is to celebrate Christmas by celebrating the wonderful fulfillment of that promise that God will rescue me. And celebrate the only way for that rescue to happen, and that is Jesus Christ. The wonder of a counselor the mighty God, the everlasting Father, my Prince of Peace. And maybe, just maybe today, the one thing you need to do to experience the full measure and flavor of Christmas is to put the government of your life back in the hands of Jesus. Stop trying to fool us, to fool others, to fool yourself or fool God into thinking that you're being okay. You've got it handled. You're a good follower of Jesus. Guys, if Jesus isn't ruling your life, you're not being faithful. And you're not living in the rescue that He provides. So today, my, my plea to you to me is to release your life into the hands of Jesus and be rescued would you bow your heads please this morning I I don't know what response you need to make but you do some of you here maybe you are living in that distance of despair, distance from God that has led you to despair. You are desperate to have a friendship with God that you don't have right now. Friends, Jesus is your only hope to find joy. So today I invite you to come to Christ. I invite you to to cry out to Him and ask Him to forgive your sin and become Lord of your life.
There are going to be ministers here at the front who would love to talk with you and pray with you about that commitment of your heart to choose Christ. Others of you, you're followers of Jesus, but man, you're living in despair. You're, you're living in the weakness, pretending to be strong. You're living in chaos and confusion. You're living in loneliness and isolation. You're living in brokenness. Can, can I just tell you, talk to Jesus today right now talk to jesus cry out to jesus let him apply his leadership to your life that you might have clarity instead of confusion joy instead of despair that you might have love instead of loneliness strength instead of weakness that you might have peace in the place of a broken life. In these next few moments, I'm just going to encourage you just to talk to Jesus. And this, this altar is going to be open. You can come to pray. Again, ministers going to be here at the front. You can t- come talk to us. Maybe you just need to sit right where you are and talk to Jesus. Maybe you need to stand and sing praise to Him. Well, whatever God leads you to do. Guys, don't, don't, don't skip over this moment. This is the moment. Everything we've done for the last hour and 15 minutes, everything we've done leads to this moment. How are you going to respond? You want to talk about how to worship God? Now's the time to do it. So talk to Jesus and let him lead you. So Father, this is your time. May your people respond. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Altars open.